Hey there. Before we start, I just want to say thank you for supporting our work here. Thanks to you, we beat all of our goals for the end of 2023. And that means we collected every dollar of matching funds that were on offer. And because so many folks became donors for the first time, we earned a bonus from the Institute for Nonprofit News. So we are starting this year in good shape, which is great because we got some big projects planned. Thank you so much. Now, in less delightful news, I'm fighting a little bit with my insurance company right now. Or is it the hospital billing office I'm fighting with? Like, each one keeps sending me back to the other. It's a good time. There's a first aid kit newsletter in all of this. But for now, I am struggling to find the hours for all the phone calls and to keep my composure. On that last note, keeping my composure, this seems like a really good time to bring back what may be the most useful episode we've ever done from late 2020. You ready? Here we go. I got a voicemail from a listener named Amanda Jaffe. She's been listening to our episodes about folks who fight back against insurance companies and outrageous bills. And she says she's kind of a bulldog on this stuff herself. But she says there's a snag. And maybe you can relate. I definitely can. When I call the insurance companies, I start to get angry to a point where maybe it's unproductive. So I need some guidance how to remain cool when calling insurance companies. Thanks. I'd really need the help. Bye. Yes. I have been thinking about this for months and months. We've been hearing from people who fight and fight and sometimes win. And a couple of things keep getting clearer. One, you're probably going to spend a lot of time on the phone, a lot of it on hold, and a lot of it with people who, for one reason or another, are not going to seem that helpful. And two, I keep hearing over and over again, you got to keep your cool. Okay, sure. But I keep wondering again and again, okay, how? And today, I think I've got exactly the person I've been looking for. My name is Lauren Taylor. I run Defend Yourself in Washington, D.C., and we teach people skills for stopping harassment, abuse, and assault. So for like a year, I've been describing this show as being focused on self-defense against the cost of healthcare. And Lauren is an actual self-defense teacher, has been one for like 35 years. And it turns out, self-defense, the way Lauren and her colleagues teach it, is not just the hitting and the kicking. It is defending yourself against all kinds of encroachment, street harassment, creepy coworkers, just standing up for yourself. You might have noticed, Lauren said her group teaches people skills for stopping harassment, abuse, and assault. And abuse. <laughs> I'm not sure that's too strong a word for how the healthcare industrial complex treats people. So Lauren herself is just wrapping up an epic fight about her health insurance, and she has been using self-defense skills all along the way. I'm not going to go into all the details. There's been so many things, I honestly can't remember them all. But we talked through them because she's got them written down. This is also a self-defense thing, which is document, right? Just like you would with a stalker or a workplace harasser or a, even a, an abusive partner is document everything because you might need it. You teach this in the class. Oh, yeah. Like I walk in thinking I'm going to learn how to knee somebody in the nuts and you're like, 
get a notebook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Well, people, people do walk in thinking they're going to learn how to knee someone in the groin. And we do teach that. But I can't tell you how often in evaluations, people tell us that they were completely blown away by all the other stuff that they learned, which is really about empowerment. Yes. Yes, please. Empowerment. Let's have some of that. This is an arm and a leg show about the cost of healthcare. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter. I like a challenge. So my job here is to take one of the most enraging, terrifying, depressing issues in American life. And yeah, there's a bunch of those, but I'm sticking with this one and produce a show that's entertaining, empowering and useful. And here we are. Here is Lauren's deal. It starts in the early 1980s. I had saved up money and I was going to take some time and travel by myself. And a friend of mine told me about a self-defense class that she had taken. And I thought, oh, that's a really good idea. I should probably do that if I'm going to travel by myself. She says it changed her life. Like as a teenager, she dealt with a lot of street harassment. And I had always thought that if anybody tried to rape me, there would be nothing I could do because by definition, they would be bigger and stronger than me. And the real life-changing piece of the self-defense class was realizing that that was wrong, was realizing that I had power and that I could hurt somebody who was trying to hurt me. How did that feel? It's it's totally life-changing. I mean, even now, like to tell it to you, I still feel like a rush of energy through my body saying it. It's thrilling. It's like, holy shit, I'm not, I'm not helpless. Right. I can protect myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I have power and, and A big piece of it also is I have permission to do this and I deserve to be protected. I deserve to be able to defend myself. And all of those are not messages that most of us get growing up still and certainly not when I was growing up. So it's kind of like I caught the fever and then wanted to spread the gospel of self-defense. So she's been teaching self-defense since 1985. I asked her, How did it change your life? I mean, beyond the fact that you started teaching it, like, what did you do differently? She says, for starters, she did take that trip. And there was a night or two that didn't go according to plan. And her place to crash fell through. She was out late, lost, a little scared. And she took out a pen. So in case she needed to hurt somebody, she'd have a pen to hurt them with. She did not have to use it. But having a plan helped her keep cool. But that wasn't the big stuff. The big stuff was standing up for herself in other ways, like when her boss in a full-time volunteer gig started sexually harassing her. Before I would have like, you know, suffered and wrung my hands and journaled about it and called 12 friends and thought maybe there was something wrong with me. And, you know, all of those things I didn't do. I was just like, really? No, don't do this. (laughs) Um, And then what happened? He pretty much cut it out. Yeah. And then there was her mom who did not deal well with Lauren being gay. It was painful. And then there was the final straw. We had a large family reunion and she didn't invite my partner and she invited my siblings' partners. Jesus, ouch. They'd had a lot of conversations. And now Lauren set a hard boundary. She put it in writing to her mom. There are some basic things I need from you or I'm not going to be able to stay in contact with you, right? So if there's a family event, my partner gets invited That's self-defense. That first self-defense class Lauren took had not covered dealing with difficult family members. But Lauren says 
she'd gotten the message. That it was okay to stand up for myself. It was okay to require certain kinds of respect from people. It was okay to be who I was. That it wasn't my fault that people treated me as less than. All of that kind of stuff. And by the way, Lauren says the classes she leads now, they do cover all that kind of stuff. In other words, self-defense covers a lot of territory. The big idea is if you're in a tough spot, you want some options. And Lauren says she gives students a five-part framework, five kinds of options. They are run, yell, hit, tell, and go along. And they're not all literal. Like, run is... Leave, walk away, don't show up for the appointment, break up with the person, anything that makes you not there. And she says by yell, she means use your voice. Assertiveness or de-escalation or negotiation or, you know, that's not okay with me or don't come any closer or, you know, I won't come to family events if you don't invite my partner, right? Yell covers a lot of territory there. Everything with your words, pretty much. Everything with words you use with the other person. Because there's also tell, which she says means also really broadly, get help. It can be getting help in the moment. Uh, this person is bothering me. Can I stand with you? And then there's longer term getting help, going to HR, going to a hotline, talking to a lawyer. Posting to social media. Posting it, right. Exactly. Hit is, well, it's actually hitting. They practice that too. And then there's the last one, go along. We want people to know that that's an option, right? We're not saying always resist. We're saying resistance is successful way more than you've been told and way more than you believe. But there are times when going along is the smartest and safest thing for you to do. And for example, if someone's trying to take your property, right, if it's a mugging, and you want to get out of there unharmed, the smartest and safest thing to do is to give them your property. Yeah. I think you can probably see the broad outlines of how this could apply to wrangling with your insurance company or fighting unfair medical bills. I mean, talk about a mugging. It definitely reminds me of something I said when we started this self-defense series. We're not going to win them all. We just don't have to lose them all either. So that's Lauren's framework. Next, let's learn some specific techniques and how we can start applying them. That's right after this. This episode of An Arm and a Leg is produced in partnership with KFF Health News. That's a nonprofit newsroom covering healthcare in America. Their work is terrific, wins all kinds of awards every year. I am so proud to work with them. Okay, how to actually use self-defense techniques with medical bills and insurance BS. We'll start with an example from Lauren's epic health insurance fight this year. We're not going to get into the story. It is too long and too weird, and it's not even really over. But we will zoom in on a moment when Lauren's on the phone and the other person opens by throwing up a roadblock saying, you probably did something wrong. I'm like, I'm already angry. What do you do now? And Lauren's like, I stayed on my agenda. Staying on your agenda. This is a whole self-defense thing. Lauren walks me through it. Here's the process, okay? Something's happening, you know, like somebody's harassing you on the street or whatever. Or you're calling your insurance and the other person is being really unhelpful. She says, you ask yourself three questions in this order. First, how am I feeling? It is probably not pleasant. I'm terrified. I'm angry. I'm upset. I want to cry. I feel humiliated. Yeah, good times. That's the first question. How am I feeling? Second, 
What do I need? Which is more big picture. Need to get a safe distance. Need respect. Third, what do I want? This one's more specific. What do you want from the other person? I want you to take your hands off me. I want you to take three steps back. I want you to knock before you come in my office. I want you to stop making racist jokes. Whatever it is you turn it into, I want you to sentence. And that is your agenda. What you want to happen is your agenda. So then when they do whatever people who are misusing power do, which is often guilt trip you or trying to manipulate you or blame you, like, well, why were you there? Why were you wearing that? Why did you get drunk? It's just a joke. Well, I wouldn't have said it if you hadn't blah, blah, blah. Or why are you being such a bitch? You know, all of those things are to get you into their web of conversation and off of your agenda. And you stay on your agenda. So if I say to you, please don't ask me about my personal life while we're at work. And you're like, oh, Lauren, you're so sensitive. Yeah, I'm changing the subject. Suddenly, we're not talking about what you want. We're talking about my perception of you. And you may have a pretty strong impulse to address that, like, oh, geez, am I? Or I am not. But instead, I'm just going to say again, listen, Dan, I asked you. I only want to talk about work at work. And I really don't like answering personal questions at work. So please stop asking me. That's staying on your agenda. And so how did that happen in these phone calls? I just kept saying what I needed. Or I would keep saying, so what's the next step? What can we do from here? So, for instance, Lauren played out a long, long set of calls with her health insurance company and the state office that administers the Obamacare exchange in Maryland, where she lives. Whenever they hit an impasse, she would ask, what's the next step? And eventually the next step was file an appeal through the state attorney general's office. Lauren called the first person to pick up the phone did not have a super encouraging opening line. She was like, well, I'm sure you missed a deadline. And instead of saying, I didn't miss any of deadlines, because then we're into her conversation, I said, so please tell me more about how to appeal. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because, you know, she probably talks to 100 people a day, and, you know, people make all kinds of mistakes, and, you know, it's a big headache to her, I'm sure. So Lauren didn't take the bait. She stayed on her agenda. And after a while, once the appeal was really in motion, Lauren noticed This same woman who was now calling Lauren with updates, sometimes more than once a day, was singing a different tune and definitely some new words. She was using we language. Yeah, that's Um, what we like. Yeah. Right. So I was like, oh, this is going very well. She was like, we just need to figure this thing out and then we'll let them know. We language. Okay, this is great. And it's like, wait, how do I actually do this? Like in the moment. Like, here's Amanda's question again. I start to get angry to a point where maybe it's unproductive. So I need some guidance how to remain cool when calling insurance companies. Yeah, me too. Me too. And Lauren reframed it. She was like, okay, getting angry, that's not a problem, not a mistake. It's a feeling that you're having, and it's a really reasonable feeling to have. And she says, Amanda is nailing it and saying, Those feelings probably aren't going to be super helpful in this conversation. So you want a strategy, an agenda, a plan. If you can ground yourself in the fact that your strategy is to remain 
calm and confident while still being very assertive and persistent, that is a strategy. It doesn't mean that you have to feel great about what's happening or that you aren't upset the way that people are treating you. It just means that as a strategy, you are choosing to use this persona, this calm and confident, assertive, persistent persona to try and get what you need. So yeah, you're going to be mad. That's going to happen. You just don't want to act out those feelings in the conversation. So here's the actual advice part. You take those feelings and do them somewhere else. You, you know, go for a walk and pound the pavement. You vent to a friend. If you have a car, you roll up the windows and drive on a highway and scream. You find a place that's probably not alcohol or ice cream to to process those feelings because you don't want them just hanging out in you either. That's not good for you either. Which is to say, it's probably smart to have a plan going into the conversation about how you're going to deal with those feelings afterwards. Maybe even make a plan with somebody else. Call a friend or a family member who's in your house and say, I'm going to get on the phone with the health insurance company and I'm going to call you afterwards and vent. Yeah, right. right? And then yeah, you know, have yeah, I have a yeah. place for these feelings. It's not that I'm squashing them. Right, right. There's a time for that too. I love that. But meanwhile, here I am in the conversation and things are getting hairy and I'm having a lot of feelings about it. I'm not so calm, not so confident, not so calm. And Lauren's like, right, got you covered. You want to find a technique that helps you quickly get calm and grounded in the moment. She says paying attention to her breathing is her go-to. My way of doing it may not work for you or her or somebody else. People have to find what works for them to stay calm and grounded. So just a few ideas. It can be um, breathing. It can be feeling your feet on the floor. Those are my top two. But it also can be, you know, some people saying a quick prayer helps them. It can be orienting yourself to the room, like, what are five things I can see? Or can I find three blue things? And then what's one thing I can hear? What's one thing I can feel? Those orienting things that keep you very much in the present moment and also let you know, like, this may be incredibly upsetting, but right now I'm actually okay. Right now in this moment, I'm actually okay. You know, I may be scared about losing my health insurance. I may be scared about where the money's going to come from. But if you can say to yourself like, oh, right now I'm sitting in a room in my apartment and my loved ones are around me or my pets are around me or I have a plan for dinner or I'm going to call a friend. Right now I'm okay. So there's lots of ways to get present. And I think that getting present is what can help this woman and everybody else. What I hear you talking about, like when you get into the present, it's like, I'm moving my attention. I'm moving my attention from this feeling that I'm having that wants to be take up my entire field of attention. And I'm kind of like reminding myself that there are other things to give my attention to. And now that I know that, I can give my attention to my strategy. I, I think one thing that really strikes me about what you're saying is kind of reframing the question I start to get angry to a point where maybe it's unproductive. Right. And and I think the way that's framed is how do I not have the feeling? And that's how I'm reading the question. The problem is I get angry. And what I'm hearing you say is like, not a problem. Not a problem. There are really good reasons to be angry. Yeah, for sure. So what you want isn't to avoid getting angry. It's just to avoid 
getting out of control because you probably are going to get mad. So you want to plan for it. And to review, Lauren's top two tips are one, have a plan for what you're going to do with that anger after the call, like how you're going to deal with it. And two, have a couple of favorite hacks for quickly refocusing your attention to your breath, some other sensation, whatever clicks for you. You're probably going to want to write down those tricks and practice them before you get on the phone. I really love this. And talking to Lauren, I realized being on the phone with the insurance company or the medical billing office or whoever else in the medical industrial complex you're talking with, we've got advantages we don't have in some other self-defense situations. Like one, you're not in the same physical space with that other person. They cannot see you scrunch up your face or gently rub your heart or pet the cat or silently count to 10 while they're talking, which is different from being face-to-face with somebody who could hurt you physically or emotionally. And two, you don't have an ongoing relationship with this particular person. Like it's not like telling your mom that you need her to invite your partner to family gatherings or telling your colleague to stop making racist jokes. Those are relationships they're going to keep affecting you and probably keep affecting other relationships. Here, you're like, whatever anonymous insurance company person, which doesn't mean you can act like a jerk to them because that's not going to help you. But you do have an escape hatch. Like, if you really can't take it anymore without losing your cool, you can hang up and call back later when you're ready and tell the next person, like, ah, oh, gee, I got disconnected before. And I tell Lauren this, and she's like... Yeah, I was definitely thinking, you know, if you're too filled up with feeling to be doing something that feels useful, you can absolutely say, you know, I can't talk about this anymore. I'll call back another time. Oh, yeah, right. You don't have to, like, fake dropping the call. You can just say, like, Wow. I think I need to, I need some time to digest this. Right. I'd like to call back. I'll call back later. Yes, I'll call back later. That's where we left things with Lauren Taylor in the fall of 2020. And it's all still super relevant. As I can attest right now with my back and forth calls to the hospital and the insurance company and the hospital and the, you get the idea. One update. Since we talked, Lauren Taylor has published a book. It's called Get Empowered practical guide to thrive, heal, and embrace your confidence in a sexist world. It was published in October 2023. And although the title suggests it might not fit the book's target demographic, I'm looking forward to reading it. We also condensed some of Lauren's advice into a first aid kit newsletter last year, along with related tips from other superstars. We'll put a link in the show notes. You should be able to find it wherever you're listening. You can sign up for any of our newsletters at armandalegshow.com slash newsletter. We'll be back in three weeks. Till then, take care of yourself. This episode of An Arm and a Leg was produced by me, Dan Weissman, edited in 2020 by Marion Wang, and for this re-release by Ellen Weiss. Emily Pizzacreta is our senior producer. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Gabrielle Healy is our managing editor for audience. She edits the first aid kit newsletter. Sarah Balma is our operations manager. B. Bosco is our consulting director of operations. An Arm and a Leg is produced in partnership with KFF Health News. That is a national newsroom producing in-depth journalism about healthcare in America and a core program at KFF, an independent source of health policy research, polling, and journalism. You can learn more about KFF Health News at armandalegshow.com slash KFF. Zach Dyer is senior audio producer at KFF Health News. He's editorial liaison to this show. Thank you to the Institute for Nonprofit News for serving as our fiscal sponsor, allowing us to accept tax-exempt donations. You can learn more about INN at INN.org. And thanks to 
everybody who supports this show financially. I am about to shout out 50 people who donated in the last dozen days of 2023. You ready? Thanks this time to Lois Heitner, Gaia Anzel, Sue Solar, Adam Schwartz, Mike Reidenauer, Linda Peer, Linda Duquette, Annette Hendricks, Mitchell Keller, Wayne Corville, Tom Swift, Kristen Diver, Margaret S. Dubin, Brian Graziano, Barbara Cuneo, Rob Saskevich, Julia Talbot, Eric Boland, Claire Thevenot, Edwin Smolovitz, Samir Desai, Shulamit Kenker, Bob Danhauser, William Hay, MD, Sean Manterfield, Adina Kleinman, Frauke Bensian, Ismail Ali, Jeff and Natalie Harum, Kristen Patton, Richard Gibson, Adam Milgram, Barbara Stamen Wolf, Francis Schrag, Sean Hecht, Britt Gardner, Henning Colesman Freiberger, Liz Feldman and Jay Shevsky, Megan Emmerich, Gregory Pape, Mary Uva, Sandra Mayer, Karen Wilenkin, Arnie Weissman, Sunder Willett, Becca Geverts, Sarah Bates, Elizabeth Yankee, Melissa Balick, and Sean Geiger. Thank you so much.